Can you hear me okay? Yeah, I'm not. And there's 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 a reason for that. But uh, Pastor Zeke has is is ill, and so um, he. Well, you know, if a if a pastor or a preacher, if they lose an arm and a leg, they can still come up here, right? But when they lose their voice, then that's just the way it is. Now, I know you may be saying, well, why didn't you lose your voice so Z can come up there? <laughs> that's just the way God did it. So you guys are just stuck with it. So you're just going to have to put up with it. So. That's the way it is. So we were going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 9. <clears throat> we're going to be starting at verse 15. get settled here. Okay. <clears throat> Let's pray. Oh, gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we just want to uh, lift up this time to you, Father. We pray that you'll move and touch in a mighty way here, Lord, and that you'll be glorified. Please anoint your word right now and, and just give us just a, a real clarity, Father, as to what you're showing us and what you want to tell us this morning and that uh, we praise you, Lord, for the wonderful worship and the, the time that we can just sit at your feet and glorify you. And so now have your way with us, Lord, and teach us your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 15, he says, But I have used none of these things, nor have I written these things, that it should be done so uh, to me, for it would be better for me to die than that anyone should make my boasting void. So what we're going to have to do here is we're going to have to back up a little bit, obviously, because we don't know what he's talking about. Of course, maybe, you know, you guys do because you understand where we're at here. But uh, Pastor uh, Jacob did a wonderful job with the group of scripture up from uh, chapter uh, verse one up to 14. And so I encourage you, if you haven't listened to that, to um, go in on the web page and listen to that if you didn't get a chance to be here. He taught back in uh, uh, October. But So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go up to uh, verse 6 and I'm just going to read through this so that we have an understanding of exactly where um, the Apostle's going here and what he wants to show us. So starting in verse 6, he says, Or is it only Barnabas and I who have no right to refrain from working? Whoever goes to war at his own expense and who plants a vineyard and does not eat of its fruit or who tends a flock and does not drink of the milk of the flock. Do I say these things as a mere man or does not the law say the same thing also? For it is written in the law of Moses, you shall not muzzle an ox while it treads out the grain. It is ox, um, is it oxen um, God is concerned about or does he say it altogether for our sakes? For, um, for our sakes, no doubt, this is written that he who plows should plow in hope, and he who threshes in hope should be partakers of his hope. If you have sown spiritual things for you, is it a great thing if we reap your material things? If others are partakers of this right over you, are we not even more? Nevertheless, we have not used this right, but endure all things lest we hinder the gospel of Christ. Do you not know that those who minister the holy things eat of the things of the temple, and those who serve at the altar partake of the offerings of the altar? Even so, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should live, 
from the gospel. And so uh, it's important for us to, to uh, understand that he's talking about support for the church here. And um, Pastor Jacob did, like I said, did a wonderful job here. And so um, I'm not going to go back over and, and, and try to even come close to how he shared this. But it's important for us to recognize the support of the church and, and, um, and about how they can be about ministry and, and not to worry about, you know, working outside of that or having a job outside of that. But this is the place that, that um, you know, where God has placed them. And we as a body support the church. And this is an important thing. It's, a, it's an act of obedience. It's something that God requires of us to do is to take care of the church so that we can be ministered to and uh, we can minister to others. And so this is an important um, a thing for us and God even set this up the same with within the law he set it up so that that the the you know the the temple and the priests and all were all taken care of so that they didn't have to worry about you know trying to you know work on the outside to try to make a living and that sort of thing that they could concentrate on the things of God and so and, you know he's he's making sure that that we understand this as he lays this out and uh, but I you know it, it's uh, it's an interesting thing and I and I always enjoy this kind of a, a scripture because it's one of those things that gives us a focus on how God moves and works in our lives because as He blesses us then we have opportunity to bless the church and and then we can then do and as we do that then we're ministered to because then they have the freedom and the ability then to minister back to us again and our focus always stays on Christ it never it never wavers or moves unless we allow that to happen and we allow our attentions to to wane but really as God blesses us and then as we bless the ministry and then as then the ministry then blesses us and teaches us and then it kind of comes back full circle and we just continue to grow in that and our focus always stays on christ and so you know when i when i kind of break that chain and i get caught up in myself and all that kind of stuff and that's kind of where we're going to go with this today that's where i think the apostle is going to take us when i get all caught up in me in myself that's when this becomes broken and then all of a sudden i begin to lose focus of christ in this and i think is it's important for us to stay focused on that and so when he's talking about support of the church he's very clear here and he and he's very pointed and but and and so as we get into this we're going to he's going to kind of take us to a place that's a little bit higher than than just what we maybe would like it to be you know because the apostle he never leaves us comfortable he never lets us just kind of sit and go oh yeah you know that's cool no he's like going no 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 let's sweat a little bit blam let's drop put and bring you up a little bit and let's you know get a, a a little bit more of a of an idea of how god wants us to be and how he wants to move in us and stuff <clears throat> and so you know, as we kind of look at this focus here, Isaiah 55, 11 says, and so my word shall be that it goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please and it shall prosper in the thing from which I send it. And this is a scripture we're going to look a little bit more into this. But what he's saying is, is that as his word goes forth from him and, and when it does go, it prospers and it comes back to him and it doesn't come back to him void and we are so involved in that and 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 we're going to get into this a little bit more 
And also, I want to let you know that as I, because of some of the scripture here, as, as you know, we, we look at this, and I do use the New King James, I'm going to use the backdrop of the Amplified in the New Living Translation. And if I generally will say that if I'm using that, but if, if I don't, and there's, I'm bringing some clarity to the word, and that's what this is for, just so we can get a little better understanding, then you guys will know where I'm getting this from, and that I just didn't, you know make it up or something but you don't worry about that right you okay with that? So, anyway she's keeping an eye on me here close <laughs> got her pen out she's you know anyways verse 15 but i have used none of these things nor have i written these things that it should be done so to me for it would be better for me to die than anyone should make my boasting void he says he's never used any of these these rights, these things here, you know, he says that I, and I don't want to do that now. He says that he would rather die than to, you know, the right to boast about preaching without a charge. That's what he's saying. And he, so he says that he's, he's not, you know, taking money to, to share the word. And that's what he's saying here. Uh, in, in fact, in Acts 20, verse 34, he says, Yes, you yourselves know that these hands have provided for my necessities and for those who were with me. So he makes it very plain. And this is the coolest thing about Paul. He, when he, always when he's teaching, he uses himself as an example, and he's always making sure, and he does this very well in this group of Scripture, he makes very, makes, wants to make a point and he wants us to understand the reasons why he's sharing the gospel and, and, and how this has all been put together for him. And he wants them to understand that it's not about him, you know, getting a paycheck and that's why he's doing this and stuff so that, you know, he can just kind of, you know, you know, he's teaching so that, you know, and, and, and if something happens and all of a sudden the check bounces or something, it's like, oh, well, I'm out of here. You know, that's not the way it is. And he wants us to make sure that he's not, he's not um, directed or, or whatever by, by a monetary thing. And, and I think that's what he's trying to get to, a, you know, getting us to, to pay attention to. And he will always put himself as, out there as an example if you'll turn back just a few pages to 1 Corinthians chapter 4, and we're going to start at verse one, uh, 9, and he says here, For I think that God has displayed us, the apostles, last, as men condemned to death. For we have been, been made a spectacle to the world, both to angels and to men. We're fools for Christ's sake, but we are wise in Christ. We are weak, but we are strong. You are distinguished, but we are dishonored. Through the present hour we both hunger and thirst. We're poorly clothed and beaten and homeless. We labor working with our own hands. Being reviled, we bless. Being persecuted, we endure. Being defamed, we entreat. We have been made as the filth of the world, the offscouring of all things until now. And so he lays out this scenario here, and you're like going, man, you know, this is, you know, you know this, this is what... You know, this is the plight in his life, and he wants to always make sure that we understand that this is where he is. It's very important for, for him, you know, for, you know, to him that we understand this. And this is not a walk that we are going to desire. Um, he's condemned to death. He's a spectacle. Fools. 
Um, he's considered fools. They're dishonored, poorly clothed, beaten, hungry, thirsty, homeless, reviled, persecuted, defamed, filth of the world, off-scouring of all things. This is not the kind of walk that we really want to embrace. This isn't something that we want to make that, that would be ours. We don't want that. But look at the cool part of this. Look at right in the middle of this, and this is the way he is. Because he's not saying, oh, poor me, man. You guys got to feel sorry for me. He's saying, this is where I am, but check this out. He says, we are reviled, but we bless. Persecuted, but we endure. Defamed, but we entreat, which means to appeal gently. What he's saying is, is that the way the situation is with him and his life and what's going on and how things are, he's saying, but... He gets to do these things. When he's reviled and put down upon, he gets to bless. When he's, he's persecuted, he gets to endure. He gets to have patience. He gets to build upon these things. And even when he's defamed and stuff, and, and, and when he rallies back or tries to, he does it gently and there's humility here. And he's saying, it, no, 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 don't feel bad for me. He goes, grasp a hold of this and realize that this is where our lives are. No matter what's going on in your life, no matter where you're at, no matter what's happening, we are in the same place. He, he, and then he goes on here, and then he says, if we go back in, verse nine, in chapter 9 here, and then as we go on, he says, for I preach the gospel... I have, for if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of, for necessity is laid upon me. Yes, woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. For if I do this willingly, I have a reward, but if against my will, I have been entrusted with a stewardship. What is my reward then? That when I preach the gospel, I may present the gospel of Christ without charge, that I may not abuse my authority in the gospel. And it's like, what? What did he say there? I don't even get that. That's cool. We're going to look at this. <clears throat> Remember, in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, <clears throat> and I can read that real quick. And he says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is a good and acceptable and perfect will of God. He wrote this, he believed this, and he lived that. And so he wouldn't tell us something like that if he wasn't doing it himself. And so he wants us to understand just how serious it is, you know, when we are called and when we have a walk with God. He's trying to get us to understand that life isn't always pretty and things are tough, but that doesn't mean we walk away and that doesn't mean we bail him or whatever. He says that we get stronger and we have a reasonable thing going on here. And he says, this is where we're at. This is our, you know, our reasonable sacrifice. And life is going to throw some tough stuff at us. And he just keeps on going. He keeps on growing and he keeps ministering no matter what. And that is, you know, the, the desire that he wants us to grasp a hold of. Because this to him was real and he's giving it to us and makes us want to be real to us also. And so... <clears throat> As we now begin to examine, you know, our own, you know, in this scripture here, 16 and 18, 
we have to kind of begin to understand that we have a heavenly perspective here and that our life is, is a reflection of Christ and it's not about what we can get, but about how God's going to use us and how we're going to interact with other people and how much of a servant we are going to be. And this is the place that he wants us to begin to really change things. The other day I saw a commercial on TV and it was about this, some kind of holy water that you can buy. I, I wasn't paying much attention to it, and so I only caught the very last part of it. But it was this, some kind of killer holy water that you could order in. And you get this little vial, and these people are like, you know, man, I got that holy water, and like next week I got a check for $20,000. And it's like, you know, and of course that piqued my interest then. You know, and I was like, really? And then this lady, she, the next uh, person, she's like going, I, I got this in the mail, and the next day I got a check for 100 G's. It's like, seriously, 100 G's? What, are you one of the wise guys or something like that? It's like, I show a little bit of humility. I mean, you like, use like English so people can understand what you're talking about. Yeah, 100 G's, seriously, you know, ah, yeah. You know, it's like, man, you know, you don't have to be crass all the way across the board. I mean, if you're blessed like that, at least say dollars. But, uh, <laughs> you know, but I mean that the focus of this was that some kind of God's like some kind of magic genie and you rub them and then things are going to come and, and it's going to be really, you know, and it's just like, you know what? Um, that's not the way it is. And in fact, as we look at this scripture, man, it is far far away but so much better so so much better no man i could really do with a hundred grand i mean come on you know no 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 this is this is something that can you imagine that no amount of money in the world is ever going to make it so that you can when you're reviled that you can bless back you will never we would never be able to pay enough money to get in that position to do that you would never, ever, when you're persecuted, have the patience. You couldn't pay enough to get patience in order to deal with persecution. Or when you're defamed, that you could actually respond gently. Oh, we've all responded, right? And we've all, you know, pulled out the old stick, right? We've done that. We've done that many, many times. But what about gently? What about when you're more concerned about the guy yelling at you and spitting in your face and, and you're more concerned about him than you are about what he's saying to you? How awesome is that? That's the position that this apostle is in. And that's why he's telling us that he can't even charge for the gospel because he doesn't have the ability to do that. Check this out. <clears throat> And looking at what we just looked at in verse 16 here, and what is it that he's talking about there? He says he doesn't want to lose the right to boast about preaching without charge, you know, because he can't boast about it. He doesn't want to lose the ability because he can't, he can't boast about the gospel um, and being able to, to deliver it or to share. He can't boast about that part of it. And so he says, I don't want to do... I, it is so much ingrained in me. It, it's so important to me. It's such a part of me that I can't, you know, be paid to share because that, that takes it down to a different place. He says that he can't boast about preaching the gospel, that he is compelled by God to do it. 
And that would be a terrible thing if he didn't. He can't say that, no, 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 I'm being paid to be here. And since I'm being paid to be here, you know, you guys are just lucky as long as you keep filling the bag, I'm going to do okay. He's like saying, no, 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 that's not the case. It doesn't matter about the money. What really matters is, is that God has compelled him to do this and he has to share. And if he don't, it's a terrible thing. And then he goes on and says that if he preached the gospel by his own will, then he would deserve payment. But he's not preaching by his own will. He's saying then that, that you know, um, God has given him a sacred trust. And so he can't, he can't, you know, so his pay is the opportunity to preach the gospel without charge. And that's why he doesn't demand the right here for you know, to say that he's owed something because he can't. Because he's saying that he's compelled by God. It's a sacred trust. This is something he's got to do. He can't not do that. And so he says that it, it, it just takes things and puts it into a different perspective. And so that's why he doesn't demand the rights when he shares because, you know, his payment is the opportunity to share. That's what he's saying. So he gets to do this. And so it, it, he, he has that, you know, he does this because he gets to. And so then what does that mean for us then? Just like, you know, I have to worry about that. I ain't going to be no preacher. So no, and so ain't nobody going to pay me to preach either. So, oh, well, I'm good. Well, turn over to Ephesians chapter 4 because we're in the exact same place and God will, wants us to, to grasp a hold of this and recognize this so that we can then be, you know, <clears throat> gain an understanding here. In Ephesians chapter one, uh, 4, looking at verse 1, he says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling on which you were called, that with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. He is compelling you to walk the walk worthy of the walk that you were called in. And you have a sacred trust, this the same as the apostle. And he's placed us in the exact same position. And we're in this same spot. And his desire is, is for us to start to, to grab a hold of this with humbleness and gentleness, being patient, bearing with each other in love, making every effort to keep ourselves united in the Spirit, bound together with peace, One God, one Father of all, who is above all, through all, and in you all. It sounds even a lot like the, you know, Romans 12.1. We have to begin to, to, to start to, to look at a higher plane and understand just what it means to have this walk with Christ. You know, I take the apostle and I separate him out sometimes from myself and my own walk and that was him and that's how he was and that's what he did, but that's not me. And he's like going, man, if you could just, 
get a hold of a little chunk of this so that you could begin to understand what it means to have this kind of a walk so that you can then, you know, interact with people on such a place to where you don't care what they say and what they do and what goes on, but you just have the opportunity to minister. And I really feel that God is compelling us to be in that position, to be used in that way. And His desire is for us to be there to be able to share with people and to open ourselves up and, and to get to a place where we don't care what happens to because we are putting ourselves on the back burner because we're not the ones that's the most important. It's about those that we're trying to touch because it all comes down to salvation and we desire and God's desire is and this apostle's desire was for people to get saved and that was what he wanted and that's what God wants and that's his desire and his desires become our desires and so then we then will do whatever it takes to get someone saved. That's what it's all about. And that's why he can then say, hey, I, I, I don't need money or I don't want to do this for money because I have to do this because my payment is what God wants to do. All oh, we have to support the church. We have to do that. And that's a separate issue from where our mentality is as far as how our walk should be. I'm not looking to get something from God or a payment from him if I'm a good guy. That's not the, my, my desire. That's not where I want to be. That's not what I want. I don't want to get kudos from him because I did. I was just merely obedient to what it was that he wanted me to do or how I was supposed to be. That's not the way it works. God, Jesus died on the cross for me. He gave it all up. He bled for me. And so when we sing that song, Your Grace is Enough, it's like that song sometimes doesn't even make sense. Your grace is enough. Are you serious? Your grace is everything. It's incredible. It's unbelievable. It's huge. It's vast. We can't even come close to understanding what that is. And he's like going, and I was like, yeah, your grace is enough. And it's like, no, wow. You know, it's like so beyond my comprehension sometimes. Anyways, I'm digressing. I am not going to finish. Anyways, <laughs> let's turn over to... I am not. I'm serious. Because I got a lot to say, and I just barely got started. I just, I'm still on my first page here. You know, it's like... It's that preaching, it's that preaching thing again. I don't know. Anyways, let's turn over to Isaiah 55. I mean, I worked a lot on this, too, and it's like... Are you serious, Lord? I could have, like, you know, did half of this. Anyways. That's, that's what happens, though, when you, you know, it's like going, hey, you know, I'm not feeling good, man. Can you share, you know, on Sunday? And it's like, oh, man, okay. And then you come in and you got this book, and it's just like everyone's like going, go sit down, man. Take a breath. Anyways. So we're going to look back then. We're going, to, we're going to check out that scripture about his word not returning void, but we're going to take it into the, into the grouping of which he lays that out for us here. And looking at Isaiah 55, verse 6, he says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. 
Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the stars are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven, do not return there, but the water, but water the earth and make it bring forth and bud. And it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please. For it shall prosper in the thing which I sent it. For you shall go out with joy and be led out with peace. And the mountains and the hills shall break forth into singing before you. And all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress tree. And instead of the briar shall come up to the myrtle tree shall come up the myrtle tree and it shall be to the Lord for a name for an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. Now he's talking about the nation of Israel here, but so let's individualize this for a second. <clears throat> for he says that, you know, when he's talking about this, go ahead and personalize this because this is you. And as his word goes forth, it shall accomplish what he pleases. The New Living Translation puts it this way. I send it out and it always produces fruit. This is the coolest thing. And it will prosper everywhere I send it. I I send it out and it always produces fruit. His word. And that is so cool. Because he says that, that, you know... It will prosper everywhere I send it. And what is fruit? Fruit is from Galatians chapter 5. Love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, suffering, or uh, long-suffering, self-control. That's what he's talking about here. That's what you produce when, you're, when you walk and your call is, is such. And then as God begins to, to you know, bring you along and teach you, and, and, and as you draw closer and closer to Him, then fruit is produced. And what happens with fruit? It's picked by other people. And they get nourished. And they get to know Him. And they get to grow. And so uh, He takes and produces fruit in us so that we can then nourish and help and, and affect other people. And so it's an outward thing that goes out and others begin to grow and, to, and, and can draw closer to Him. Verse 13 in this scripture here in the New Living Translation says, Once where there were thorns, cypress trees are there. And where um, <clears throat> nettles grew, there's myrtles now that's sprouting up. These events will bring great honor to the Lord's name and they will be an everlasting sign to His power and love. Wow. How awesome is that? He says that, 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 that where the nettles were and where the thorns are, there's awesome trees growing and stuff. Have you had nettles and thorns and garbage and weeds and stuff in your life? Well, he's taking that stuff out and he's rooting it out and he's cleaning it out. And it's, and it's being replaced with, with strong trees. He's cleaning house. And as he begins to build on these things and, and, and this stuff is growing up in our lives and that kind of stuff, he says that these events are going to bring great honor to his name. 
you will bring great honor to his name because of the things that has gone on in your life because you received him as Lord and Savior. And as he goes in and he begins to move and touch and affect in your life, fruit is produced and others get saved and things happen to the point where and you bring honor to his name by the walk that you have and your existence and just because you're here. And it's like, no, man, not me. That's somebody else. No, you don't know me. No, but I don't, but he does. And he's tearing out the junk that's in your life and replacing it with glory and honor and strength. Cypress trees and myrtle trees, beauty. That's what he's doing. And you're going to bring honor to his name. Man. That's why the apostle says that when he's reviled, he can bless He has the ability to do that. If you don't know Christ, there's no way. Because you're all chock full of weeds and garbage. But he's saying he's cleaning it out and he gives us the ability to to interact. And then he says that we're an everlasting sign of his power and love. Awesome. You are. You are. You are an everlasting sign of His power and love. That's you. Well, I sure haven't been acting like it lately. Well, change it. You can do that. You don't have to stay there. Yeah, but man, you don't know what I've done. I don't have to know what you've done. God already knows. And since He's he's the one pulling all the strings, what He wants you to do is to change. And how do you do that? You just by opening it up and letting him start to move and change things and do things. That's his desire. He doesn't want to leave us, you know, all beat up. Look at this description here. I always firmly believe that the description of Israel as they go through this Old Testament is like one man's life. And as we read through that and we look at that, we're going, yeah, man. You know, all those people were doing all those rotten things. And it's like, I do that stuff too. You know, I'm just a rotten person. But he's like going, now, man, I'm taking all the weeds out. I'm cleaning you up. I'm tearing this up. So then, you might say, okay. You know, I, I can do that. You know, support of the church is now a separate issue. You know, that's obedience and stuff. That. You know, and the example of the apostle is to to walk worthy of the call and have a sacred trust. Okay, you know, I can separate that out. I understand where he's going with that stuff. And so, okay, I can do it. I can hang with that. Let's go back then to 1 Corinthians 9. And now, hang on to your seats because it's going to get rough. You thought it was easy. That was the easy part. So then, looking at verse 19 through 23, he says, For I, for though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win the more. And to the Jew, I become a Jew, that I might win Jews to those who are under the law, as under the law, that I might win those who are under the law. To those who are without law, as without law, not being without law towards God, but under law towards Christ, 
that I might win those who are without law. To the weak I become as weak that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men that I might by all means save some. Now this I do for the gospel's sake that I may be partakers of it with you. That first statement that he makes here in this, in verse 19, he says, For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all. And we can kind of go, yeah, yeah, I can do that. I can be a servant to all. Yeah. I kind of equate this kind of a thing to bull riding, you know? This is one, and maybe some of you guys have done that. I don't know, you know. But I'm, I've watched a couple of documentaries on this, and I'm in awe of these, these men, I, I can't, or these people. I, I can't believe that they even do this, you know? I mean, you get up on the chute, and you get ready to sit on this 2,000-pound animal, right? And you sit down on him, and you start tying in, and they got the special way to tie the hand and to keep you in, you know, to make sure you don't go flying off, but... You know, you don't get stuck, so they drag you around and all that stuff. But, and then he gets a little upset, and so he starts jerking around in there. So you've got to get out of there because he's going to crush you if you somehow get in between him and the side of the chute, right? So you get out of there, and then he calms down. Then you sit down, and you get tied in and everything, and you grab a hold of that. And by the way, all these guys are like Christians, man. They, they all go to church before they ever go there. You know, you, you look at this, and these guys are like, absolutely, man. You know, I am not going to do this until I've been to chapel for a couple of hours, you know. And so, you know, it's, they're just amazing guys. And I mean, they're all beat up and crunched and just thrashed. But I mean, when they get, when it's ready and you tell them, yeah, I'm good, and they open up that door, that thing comes out of there, and it is the longest eight seconds that has ever been. Eight seconds. And it, it, it must be just crazy. This thing, 2,000-pound animal, wants you off his back, and you're trying everything in the world to stay on there and to have some kind of form. I don't know exactly how they judge this thing, but it's insanity. And then if you do actually make it or he does fling you off or whatever, then you're in real trouble because he's going to try to stomp you into the ground because he hates you. <clears throat> well, I kind of equate this becoming a servant thing to just that. Because when we decide to become a servant to all, you might as well be climbing on the back of a bull. Because when the apostle says, when we reviled, we bless. And when we're persecuted, then we can then have patience and, and we can suffer through that. When, when that sort of thing begins to happen or when we're defamed, we react gently. You are talking about climbing onto the back of a bull. Because all of a sudden you're going to take whatever it is that these people that you're ministering to offer and as they fling it and they hit you with it and whatever it is that they're doing, you're going to have to, to try to hang on and you're going to have to stay on there. And you're going to have to be able to do it. Now, God gives us the ability because He's taken all the junk out of us, right? And His Word doesn't come back void. And He's producing fruit. And things are happening in our lives. And He's given us the ability. But man, it's a wild ride. It is a wild ride when we decide to do this. 
It's tough. It really is. And he tells us straight up, you know, that, you know, he's made himself a slave to all so that he can bring many to Christ. We have to kind of begin to understand this. He's compelled by God to share this sacred trust and he's allowed to share, you know. And it's all about others and, and, and it's, you know, and it's all about, you know, um, you know, Christ and, and stuff. And so with the Jews, he lives like a Jew to bring them to Christ. And so does he compromise his faith? No, he's not doing that. You know, he, he understands the law and he, he, you know, he will, he's not a fake or anything like that, but he's going to live in that, you know, and so that Christ is going to be evident in his life to those that he's ministering to. It's the same with, um, with the Gentiles. He doesn't live, you know, in that Jewish law because they don't even understand that part, you know, and he's, then they're under grace. And so he then lives apart from that, bringing them to Christ by being under grace. He doesn't ignore the law of, of God, but he obeys the law of Christ. And so, you know, he, he begins to be that, you know, for all people and begins to minister and such. And, and he's using his head. He's using his smarts. He's not trying to say, no, 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 this is the way it is. You listen and you interact and you, re- and you, you don't compromise your faith or you don't move away from the law of Christ, but you begin to, to listen and, and to interact so that you can be the best witness that you can. When you do stuff like this, you open yourself up and you become vulnerable, Okay. And this bull is, can be unforgiving. And when you do that, but remember, he who's in you is greater than he who's in the world. And that you, with Christ, are stronger than the bull that you're sitting on. Please understand that. And so when we do, <laughs> you know, decide to sit down, it, and they're ready to open the door, we can do this. And, and, and we can do it over and over and over again because we have the strength of Christ in us. Verse 22 says, And to the weak I become as weak, that I might win the weak. And I have become all things to all men, that I might all by all means save some. You know? And so some people are like that scripture. It's like going, ah, that's cool. I can be all things to all men. That way I can go over to the Thunderbeard here and have a picture and I can witness to everybody in there. You know, that'd be good, you know, or maybe I can, you know, you know, I got some friends that are tweakers and I can go over there with them or I can, you know, now that pot's legal, we'll just all go and get high. Yeah, there you go. And I'll just witness and man, it'll be fun. I'll go over to the one of the festivals at the fairgrounds. I'm not going to go there. Anyways, I definitely don't want to digress into that. So anyways, um, no, he's not talking about that. No, we're not going to attach ourselves and, and get caught up in the same sin as everybody else so that we can witness. That's ridiculous. How are you going to, you know, be that light? How are you going to be, you know, that, that sign of power and love of God if you're, you know, doing the same garbage that everybody else is? That's just ridiculous. So he's saying that when I am with those that are weak, I'm going to share their weakness where I want to bring the weak to Christ. And when I try to find common ground with everyone, 
you know, he's going to do everything he can to save some. And that's what he does. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, looking at verses 3 through 5, it says that as God comforts us, we comfort others. And so he's going to use the things that's in our lives so that we can then minister to others that may be in the same position. And that's where he desires us. To, and it's how he's going to use us in these things. But please understand that it's not about me, but it's about salvation for others. And that's the focus. That's where all of this is going. <clears throat> you know, I might just make it. Looking at verse 23 here in the Amplified, it says, I do this for the sake of the gospel in order that I may become a participant in it and share in its blessings along with you. And so it's not even a, you know, sometimes we get into scalp hunting when it comes to witnessing. It's like, you know, you'll hear these guys and go, yeah, you know, 2,000 people got saved, you know, when I spoke there at church the other day. You know, it's like, yeah, that's good. But really, the interaction that we have with others and how we share and, and we become like family and we lift each other up. And you go back and you look at Ephesians 4 and then you can see that it all has to do with the body and how we interact and stuff. And so as someone gets saved and they enter into that, then we all get to share in that same blessing and how wonderful that is. And so it's not about trying to just, you know, put, you know, notches on your belt, but, you know, um, as we begin to to grow and so then looking at verse 24 he says do you not um know that those who run in a race all run but one receives the prize run in such a way that you may obtain it and everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things now they do it to obtain a perishable crown for we as you know but we for an imperishable crown therefore i run thus not with uncertainty Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest, when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. So how serious I am about my walk. You know, am I going to look at the walk of the apostle as if that would be my own? You know, do I consider myself, you know, as a Christian, as a sacred trust? Where exactly am I in this? Where's my thinking here? Can I become a living sacrifice? Can I become a servant to all? These are all questions we have to ask ourselves as we go through the scripture. And exactly where am I when it comes to my own walk? And where am I? And how the apostle presents himself. He's not bragging of the fact that he gets beat up all the time and stuff. What he's doing is saying, I can handle it. And so can you. That's what he's saying. And so, so really the question comes down to, so what do I do about the sin that's in my life? That's where it comes down to. What am I going to do to make it so that I'm different? That sin no longer dictates, but what we have looked at here in these scriptures, how is that going to dictate the fruit and his word not coming back void and the sign of the power and, and, you know, and everything that's going on. How can I be me? Because man, I'm weak. I just can't do that. But he says that I run and I run as in a race and I race to win. 
an athlete disciplines themselves to win a prize. And I'm not talking about, you know, you know, winning a prize at all costs, like destroying people or anything, or like that woman that ran in that marathon and she ran a couple of miles and then went and got on a bus and went to the end of the thing and then got off the bus and she comes running up. She's not even sweaty or anything. And the person, the next person comes around the corner is like, what? You know, it's like, you know, so, but she got caught. But anyways, I'm not talking about that kind of thing, you know, you know, and stuff. Because sometimes, you know, um, you know, we're going to, to, always every athlete disciplines themselves and trains to win they always do no matter what you know and so <clears throat> you know someone may be better in that but then i know that i gave it my all to be the best that i can be in that now when it comes to striving against you know sin um in hebrews chapter 12 he says you have not yet strove against sin to bloodshed and so he's like going, you know, man, I've really worked hard, you know, to get sin out of my life. And he goes, have you bled because of sin? Well, no. Well, then you haven't worked hard enough. If sin is still dictating your life, and if it's still running things, and you still have problems, then, and he's like going, well, then you work it out until you're bleeding. That's how serious this is. That's how you got to get rid of it. You got to work it out. You got to work hard. Because an athlete, you know, disciplines themselves and they work hard at it so that they can get rid of the junk that's there. And we aren't running for a perishable crown, but for an imperishable one. Therefore, I run with a certainty and I just don't beat the air. I'm not just going through the motions. Man, this is so important. We've got to get our head wrapped around this. I don't want to go through the motions as a Christian. I want to have a real live relationship with God. And I'm not working towards fire insurance. I don't want to get through this thing with a smoking shirt and say, man, that was close. You know, I saw the pit there and I was on the edge, you know, but I got through, you know, I don't want to be like that because I want to my life to make a difference now. Because God wants to use us. He wants that none should perish, but all have eternal life. And there's millions going to hell right now. There may be some in this room that have never received Him as Lord and Savior. Don't leave here unless you have received Him as Lord. Don't do that. We don't want to, to you know, just kind of move along. I don't want to be apathetic with this. And I don't want, you know, junk to get in the way. Man, you don't know what she said to me, though. I'm never going back there again. Grow up. Get over it. Think about it. Come on. When, you, when the apostle was reviled, he blessed. It's the same thing. But I'm... I think I was persecuted over there. Maybe you're the one persecuting. You know, think about it. Pray over it. Open your mind. Let yourself be used by God in whatever manner, you know, He desires. And in that way, you affect people. And salvation can come from that. 
It's not about me. And that's where it comes down to. It's not about me. I don't want to be one that beats the air, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should not become disqualified. Does that mean he loses his salvation? No. It means that, that, he beca- that he nullifies his witness because of something stupid that he did. And that's what I don't want to get caught up in. If you're going to, if, if you have a drinking problem, then you don't go into a bar and have a Coke. You can't do that because somebody might see you in there and think that it's okay for you to do that. You can't because people have problems and you want to be a good witness. We don't want to, to compromise our faith and stuff by trying to hang on to some goofy liberty that really doesn't matter whether I'm doing it or not. It doesn't help. What God wants us to do is to recognize that, that people are hurting and they're suffering and they're going down and they need help and, and we want to be available. The person sitting right next to you could be going through this tremendous trial and you don't even know it. And so, you know, we just, we want to be one body lifting each other up. That doesn't mean, well, find out all the cool stuff's going on. So, you know, you don't do that. That's nonsense. But what we want to do is to pray and ask God, you'd be surprised at how all of a sudden you're, you know, involved with someone and you're praying with someone and you're interacting with someone and you can minister or they can minister to you in some way because that's how God has set it up. Make yourself available. Open yourself up. But if there's sin in your life and it's compromising you and, and it hurts your walk or whatever, then you've got to get rid of it. But man, it's tough. No, he says you work it. You, you work and you discipline yourself so that it can get rooted out and it can be removed. We don't have time. You know, yesterday I was her age and now I'm old and I look like Santa Claus. <coughs> you know, I can't even believe it. You know, and so I'm checking out. Now, come on, now, it ain't that funny. <laughs> anyways so our encouragement this is a huge encouragement this is not something that's uh, beat over the head kind of a thing this is a huge encouragement because the apostle is telling us man no matter what I have the ability to do this no matter what's going on in my life I can minister and he's telling us that we have the same thing. We are compelled by God the same way. We have the same sacred trust. We have it all. And the weeds and the garbage is removed from, from you. And the strong trees are growing. And those trees have got deep roots into the water. And you've got this. You have the strength and the ability to do this. Let's pray. <clears throat> Oh, gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we just, um, we're just in awe of you, Lord. We don't even know the words to say, Lord, that you love us so much. You've done so much for us. And you just keep on, your grace just keeps building and building and building, Lord. And, and you just keep doing and affecting our lives so much. And Lord, we, 
we just have no words, Father. Lord, we love you. We thank you that you've saved us. And Lord, if there's anyone in here that doesn't know you, please, Lord, don't let them leave here without coming to know you as Lord and Savior. Father, please touch hearts here today. And Lord, those of us that are struggling and, and, and have issues, Lord, we pray that we can leave them at your feet today and that we can be different when we walk out these doors. We thank you and we praise you, Lord, and we worship you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you all